D Smith, welcome in. It is the latest edition of the Unnamed Soccer Podcast. The Unnamed Soccer Podcast is brought to you by Three Punk Ales. They're in Chula Vista. It is also brought to you by Sport Clips, where it is good to be a guy. Darren, it is lovely to see you on a Tuesday evening. Nice to see you. Nice to chat with you. Yeah, we're doing a little video thing on Zoom. It's going to be available on audio podcast, but some select video clips, because when we get good looking guests on the show, we want to make sure that we showcase that for everybody to see as we butter up our guests for the evening here. But yeah, great to be here, Jordan. Obviously, we got a ton to talk about. There's a ton going on in the world. So uh, let's jump right into it with both feet. Uh, yeah, we'll have a little bit of Champions League, a little Prem chat, all that fun stuff a little bit later on. But we do want to start with like the biggest story in the world of soccer and a story that has gone beyond sports. There's no question about that. And Darren and I were thinking, how do we talk about such a huge topic with Diego Maradona? Like, how do we talk about a l absolute legend leaving us? Um, we needed to do more than just Darren and I chatting about it. So something that came to mind was Rubio Rubin, who was a player that San Diego loyal supporters really got to know uh, rather quickly. Uh, for those who follow the sport in the area, they knew him with club Tijuana, you know, him with us soccer. Um, what you may not know is that he actually spent some time uh, playing with Dorados on loan when he was with club Tijuana. And that is where Diego uh, ended up managing late, late in his career. Um, so we wanted to talk with Rubio Rubin and Rubio. So nice of you to uh, take the time and join us on the Unnamed Soccer Podcast. It is great to see you. Uh, we heard you're in Oregon a little bit earlier, so it is great to see you. Happy holidays to you, and thanks for taking the time. Appreciate it, guys, and hello to everyone tuning in on this uh, on this chat. And uh, yeah, happy holidays to everyone. And it's good to be you know on this phone call or Zoom call. Well, it's good um, to see you, and obviously it was great to watch you. I don't know that you know this or not, but you are the all-time leading scorer in SD Loyal history, which we will revisit coming up here a little <laughs> later on. What an impression you made here in San Diego. It was truly, as Jordan and I were there for all of your matches, it was great to watch you. It was great to be a part of that. But I'll tell you, when we all got the news that Diego Maradona had passed away at the age of 60, Rubio, and I'm a bit too young to have remembered – Maradona the player, but a documentary called Maradona in Mexico really stood out to me about what it was like for Diego, especially later on in life. I thought it gave us a great glimpse into not only Diego, but how so many of you in the world of football felt about this legend. You played on that squad in Sinaloa for Diego Maradona. Can you tell us a little bit about that experience, what it was like playing for the legend that we all lost last week? Yeah, I mean, to be completely honest, it's probably the the greatest experience as a player um, to obviously be, you know, managed under him. And um, he was definitely someone that just loved football, loved soccer. Um, each and every day, like, he would come to training. He would literally just put out a ball and it would be like, Alambi 11, you know what I mean? And it was – arguably the best football that I have ever played. It was like training football. We'd play like our best games was because everyone was like in like war pretty much trying to play, you know, like trying to impress Maradona, you know what I mean? And that's how it felt. And it was just an awesome, awesome, awesome experience being down there. And um, obviously to lose him, it was so unfortunate, you know, for me to like get to know him personally because I didn't really know him as a player as well you know and obviously my dad did and you know he talks highly of him he said you know you think about like you know Messi and Ronaldo 
of how amazing they are today. He said they are. That's what Maradona was. You know, back in the days, he was equivalent to them in that time and stuff. And obviously now he's, you're seeing records being broken in soccer, but you know Maradona was breaking records at that time. So it's just. Um, you know, it was just a crazy, great experience being, you know, down in Dorados. Um, it was very uh, – it happened so quick, to be completely fair, obviously, because, you know, it's a second division team in Mexico. But obviously one of the main reasons why I decided to go to a second division team in Mexico when I was in Cholos was because, first, I wasn't getting a lot of playing time in Cholos at the time. And, um, you know, new coaches that came in. But at the same time, one of the big reasons was, you know, to get coached by Diego you know, Maradona. And uh, that doesn't happen a lot. And, you know, he doesn't coach. Um, he hasn't coached a lot of teams. And, you know, obviously it's only 25 players per team. And, and just to be able to be part of that history, that experience was something that will take to heart for sure. Do you remember meeting him for the first time? Do you remember that? Yeah. yeah. So how we ended up meeting, he actually showed up uh, like a couple weeks late to, you know, the for the beginning of the tournament um, for, I think, health reasons, medical reasons. And, um I met him. He had landed. We had gone to Mexico City and we were going to catch a, a layover for our next flight, but we stayed there to like eat lunch. And obviously, Maradona met us in Mexico City. And um, just uh, just when you see him, you know, you obviously get goosebumps. You get like a feeling of being like, holy cow, this is Diego Maradona. You know what I mean? And um, just an awesome experience. And um, it, it, when I mean this guy, like cannot move without being a camera like to his face it's <laughs> it was pretty insane like like he walks and every, like someone's looking at every step he takes it was pretty pretty insane and no doubt uh, you know, this guy has to have lived for that for a really really long time i can't even imagine like that kind of i want to say pressure but that kind of lifestyle you know what i mean not being able to go to the store and you know, without someone, you know, looking at what you're going to do or someone trying to get a photo, autograph, whatever it was, you know what I mean? But, you know, that comes with, you know, being that big of a of a star in the worldwide of, of football. So, you know, there's so much that I remember from the documentary, Rubio. But one of the things that really stood out to me was when Dorados would win. You say, you know, you talk a little bit about health issues. You know, Diego Maradona later on in life, a little bit overweight, his knees, you know, he had some, some issues. You know, he would walk, and at times it would look like he was struggling. But one of the things that the documentary on Netflix showed us was when you guys would win, it was a party in your dressing room. And Diego would, like, get down with you guys and dance, and the music would be cranked all the way up. What were those scenes like to live it? I know what it was like. It gives me goosebumps to, to even ask you this question, to think about how much fun you all were having after you would win. But what was it like watching Diego just fully involved and invested in you guys you know, when you guys were, were winning and having success there? Yeah, I think it's crazy because you mentioned it. I think we were like last place when we won our first game and when I was there, when he started you know, dancing and stuff. It just showed, you know, like, at the end of the day, all he cared about was the team being happy, the team winning. That's all he cared about. You know what I mean? We were at the bottom, one of the like worst teams at the beginning of the season. And then when he would come in or like when he'd show up late, the team started to, you know, get back to where they needed to be. Because that's how powerful he was as a coach. And for me personally, I just think how powerful he was as a man. You know what I mean? As a person, a human being. Like, dude, like just the fact that the guy wanted, you know, us to be happy, wanted us to win and 
it was just a party after the games and stuff like that. And, um, but, um, yeah, it was just a, a crazy, awesome experience, you know, uh, never experienced that before where, you know, coaching, you know, coaches comes in and starts dancing with the players. So Maradona was definitely the first coach that ever has done that. And, um, you know, that, that, that's just, a you know, coaches have a different way of, you know, presenting to themselves on the field. And, um, it's just, uh, Maradona, who he was as a person. And, um, he continued that vibe even when he went to, um, Argentina and coached there for, I think six or six months to a year. So, um, definitely, definitely awesome. You know, his legacy and his dancing moves would definitely live on for a long time, for sure. No doubt. <laughs> we saw a little bit of those dancing so, moves. You had a really nice uh, Instagram post that you put up, Rubio, uh, with Diego. You had two images of you guys, I think, celebrating after a win. Um, yeah. In your caption, you wrote about how you will always remember the stories that he would tell you. Um, what were those stories about? Like, would he talk about life? Would he talk about football? What was he usually talking about when it was story time with Diego? He honestly, all his stories were just him pers personal stories of what he lived as a footballer. I think one of the ones that stuck to me was when he arrived to Napoli and how like the city was football. You know what I mean? And um, like meals were made like under his name. I don't know what it was like pizza or spaghetti that would be like Diego Maradona special. You know what I mean? And um, just how Napoli was a football sensation and still is, you know what I mean? And, um, and yeah, just how he felt there and stuff with that cool experience. I just remember the times where, you know, you would, we would all go and, you know, shake the coaches, you know, coaches, um, hands. And then when he got to Maradona, you'd obviously, you know, give him a kiss in the cheek, you know, and that was his, like his, what you not want to say needed to do, but like what was right to do with Diego Maradona. And, um, uh, as soon as everyone got done, you know, they, they would put the, um, the cooler, you know, we, I don't know what it's called, but just the cooler. And then he would just sit down and like a whole coaches staff behind him. And then the players sit down, you know, crisscross applesauce, applesauce. And just like when you did, when you were elementary school, you know what I mean? Like that's how this guy would, you know, would be able to do with the whole group of players. You know what I mean? Like the respect to hear his stories, to hear his background, to hear what he went through as a player and as well as a coach and um, it's it was just it was just a cool experience, you know. I can I can't even imagine, you know, like another per coaching staff or another person being able to do that in today's football, where you know players are sitting crisscross, you know, uh, and the guys on a cooler. You know, I mean, you don't get that a lot from a lot of coaches, you know, especially um, nowadays, you know. And um, Maradona definitely uh, brought that, you know, and you had just respect of what you know what he went through as a player. Why was he successful as a manager? You mentioned it a little bit earlier again. And, and, you know, I know the documentary, you know, might not be telling us the entire story, Rubio, but you know, that certainly as you suggest, he, you guys were at the bottom of the table and then, you know, you, you seemingly took off when Diego arrives, not once, but in two different tournaments. So what was it? And you know, was it the tactics? Was it just that, you know, the way he communicated with you, as you said, as a man, you know, what was it that, that made him seemingly so successful with you guys there in, in Dorados? Yeah, I think a lot of his success um, came from just, he was just a player's coach. He understood the players in the standpoint of we just wanted to play football. I mean, we didn't, honestly, to be completely fair, the tactical side was more into the assistance. Maradona just mm -hmm. wanted to play. He just wanted to 
you know, for to see where the players are, where they're at, what are the best players, stuff like that. And he would always have the you know, giving, putting out the ball and just playing and competing each game situations just got the best out of us. You know what I mean? And especially when he's on the sideline and, you know, the you know, imagine in training, you just want to score three goals because if you score three goals, you're, you know, you have Maradona, you know, thinking about you, but the defenders are thinking like, all right, you know, like I got to block these three goals because, you know, Maradona is going to consider me. So I just think that overall attitude just played into the results when time came around was like, he came and it was just like for him. I just want to go to war with him. I want to go to battle with him. And the attitude translated into the field. And unfortunately, we know we lost in two finals, but, you know, we both those finals, we could have won. You know what I mean? A final is a final and it just didn't work out for us. But I just think overall, like that attitude is what helped him, especially in a second division team. You know what I mean? Maybe in a first division team, it's different. But second division team, you got to think about a lot of the players are playing, you know, like myself, you know, we're coming from a first division team. We're trying to prove ourselves or, you know, there's players that are playing for to get into first division again. And uh, the, the promotion, too, you know what I mean? Trying to get back promoted to first division. And um, so it's pretty much on your second chance. That's what I think. And I think that just motivated the team even more. And uh, Diego came in the perfect time for that. So, Yeah, you know, I mean, I think that that's the other thing that stands out, too, is how competitive he was. Because, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, you would think Diego, you know, who's, who's done everything in the world, right? He's a World Cup winner. He's managed national teams. But, you know, it seemed like he was so competitive, like, like, you know, away fans when they were chanting what they were chanting in his direction, you know, like he really like got fired up about it, you know, like he got super competitive and, you know, second division or, or any place else. Like it just sort of like he had a fire that burned in him that seemed to be burning no matter where he was. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think, Obviously, some things in documentary, you know, some of them are like, you know, it's real in the standpoint of it happened. Um, it just obviously, it's crazy, you know, to see that a lot of people would want to see his team do bad. And when, like, people would love him, but then when they'd be like, you know, when we lose or something, like, people would still go against him and start to say some stuff. And like, you know, obviously, it's just the way the football is and it's going to continue to be, you know, and you know, no matter who the, the coach is or whatever happens, it's just, you know, the nature of this game of, you know, hate people hating on other people and stuff like that. And it's just part of football. You got to get used to it in the lows and the highs, whatever it is. How happy was he when he was around the team um, on the field? I mean, you, you talk about it and you get like a little glimpse. You see all the cameras, the autographs and constantly being asked for something. How happy was he when he was just at training with you guys, just watching 11 on 11 or just being around the team? Oh, he was happy all the time, man. Like he would, you know, make us do these, you know, shooting drills. And he would just be like, well, he put us right in front of the goal, like in the 18 and like this, the penalty box and, would be like ripping shots to the keepers. The keeper hated the drills, you know, because like we're literally in front of the goal. But like the guy just wanted us to be confident. He just wanted us to score goals and be happy and he would yell goal with us. But I think when I saw him as most happiest was always after training, his little boy would come on the field and, you know, he would just play with him. You know, he would like kick the ball with him. You know, this happened, you know, a lot of it behind the scenes. You know, I mean, I don't know if you could see a glimpse on it on the Netflix series. I totally forgot, but um, 
his little son was like everything to him, his family. And he would always make him go on the field and just kick the ball around with him, score goals on him. And it was just, it was, wait, sorry. Can you hear me? Oh yeah. Yeah. We got you. Yeah. So it was an overall, just a, you know, great, uh, a great, you know, kind of experience that I could experience. And, you know, I take that to heart, you know, one day when I have a kid, it's like, obviously you want to do that too with your, with your kid and family one day is, you know, that's all that matters. And, uh, Maradona that sticks to me in heart for sure for a very long time. And the guy just, you know, wanted, he was just a happy guy. You know what I mean? He just loved the game so much. And he, he was on the field with the son, giving him, you know, hopes for the future as well, that he could one day be a footballer as well. I, I can't even imagine what it was like being with that squad. You know, we've talked to you in the past about your dad and the relationship that you have and, being even your uh, first uh, goal, I think, for Cholos who came against Chivas Guadalajara and, and you telling us how important that was for you, given how you grew up in your household. I mean, I, I would imagine that everybody who you know through U.S. soccer from Beaverton, Oregon, everybody in your family must have been just buzzing you nonstop. They must have been asking, hey, get Diego Maradona's uh, autograph for us. Can you, <laughs> you know, people must have been yeah. hitting up nonstop to, to try to get to find out what life was like playing for him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm sure I had a lot of family who, uh, or a lot of family friends were who would ask about him and stuff. And, you know, till still to this day, uh, you know, people ask me about, you know, Diego, how, what is what was he like as a coach and stuff like that. And um, for me, like I just say, I just mentioned my past experiences and um, I try not to, you know, give any stuff out like that. You know, for me, it wasn't about the autographs a lot. Right. For me, it was just about the experience that one day I could, you know, tell the future generations of my kids of you know i got to play with one of the greatest i mean i got to be coached by one of the greatest um so uh definitely take that to heart and uh for, for sure obviously it's passing it just hurt everyone the whole soccer community it was almost like like 2020 just couldn't stop you know what i mean with kobe and you know the basketball community losing someone like that and now deal maradona and uh they were both very young and, uh, yeah, it's just tough times and, you know, just looking to, you know, not have anything like this happen to us this year anymore and stuff like that. So, yeah, 2020, clearly uh, it's been difficult. You, you gave San Diego Loyal um, something to be really happy about in the brief time that you were with San Diego this, this season a little bit earlier. Did you enjoy your time with SD Loyal as much as we watched you scoring all the goals for SD Loyal? I mean, I enjoyed my time there. Like I said, like Landon Donovan – you know, what a great guy, what a great, you know, coach and human being. He brought me in. And obviously for me, you know, to come to the USL, it was a tough decision. But at the end of the day, you know, one of the big reasons I wanted to come there was I just wanted to play football and forget about all that was happening in 2020. I had gone like five or six months without playing football. And for me, I just wanted to get back out there. And I know I had the confidence from Landon. And to go there and, you know, in a, within a month do what I did is just, you know, I, I had a lot of fun and uh, the, it, it was bittersweet to be completely fair, how the season ended. I think um, we would have had a really good shot of uh, winning it all to be completely fair. Um, San Diego Lloyd being this first season and uh, the quality of players we had, I had no doubt that we could have taken this team all the way to the final and won it. So it was kind of bittersweet that it, you know, went well for me, but at the same time, the team had to, you know, obviously didn't make playoffs and stuff. And the two unfortunate things that happened to two of our teammates, 
Um, this is, like I said, it's bigger than football. And sometimes, you know, you have to do what's, what's right uh, to, to make change and to make change happen. And um, I have a lot of respect for San Diego Loyo and to my teammates and for us standing up for, uh, for that and uh, for sure. But I had a great time there, no doubt about it. Heck yeah. Well, we loved watching you as well. I remember that final match against Phoenix too, because, you know, you were one of the guys that I remember being most vocal when you were walking off the pitch. I remember yeah. you saying to, I don't know who in particular, maybe it was just the entire opposite side of the, of the field with Phoenix rising. But I remember you saying, Hey, listen, this is on you guys here. You know, that was a pretty powerful moment. That's a moment that we still talk about that, that made worldwide news. You know, that yeah. must've, you know, as much as you know, you want to talk about scoring and winning and winning championships and titles as well. I'm sure that's, that's uh, a moment that you'll never forget as a player. Oh, for sure. And like I said, like football is, is a way from trying to make change. And, you know, we kind of, you know, this whole year, a lot has happened and, you know, just have to make change to be able to be for everyone to play soccer or any sport in the right manner. You know what I mean, and I've never heard those things being said in soccer, you know, and sometimes in the heat of the moment, you know, you do have curse words. You do have, you know, stuff you say to our teammate because you're mad at him or you're upset for a tackle, blah, 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 you know, like, or, you know, just the heat of the moment. But when it comes to, you know, race or when it comes to someone's, you know, gender or someone's like the way of living, I just think that's, you know, don't make it personal and stuff like that. And, um, you know, it's not okay. It wasn't okay back then. I guess back then they just didn't have that much, you know, fight now and change, but it, you know, it doesn't make it right now. So um, we'll continue to stand by that. And I will still be, you know, <clears throat> that person who will fight for change, regardless of how much success that I, that I, you know, want, I want change in, in football and any sport in this, in this country. And um, so no doubt about it and no doubt about it. And, you know, maybe that's because, uh, of how I grew up from my parents and stuff, but everyone should be created equal. And that's all I continue to believe in. And I would love to watch you again. What's, what's next? Any, any, uh, any hints on, on what's next for Rubio Rubin? I mean, it's just a process right now. Obviously I want to, you know, play in, you know, the highest level of football and continue to compete and find myself in, um, and, and back on the national team and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like I said, I've been talking to uh, Landon, you know what I mean? I, I have uh, talked to him about, you know, obviously resigning, resigning to uh, San Diego Loyal, but at the same time, I'm keeping my options open for, you know, maybe MLS or the possibility of going back to Europe and um, just want to make sure that I make the right decision in my career. But, um, but yeah, like I said, obviously I strive for um, to do, um, the best thing in my career and getting back on national team. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I've definitely talked to San Diego Loyo and stuff like that. I, it's not out of my book. That's for sure. So um, no doubt about it. Like I said, you yeah. know, like obviously I, I know what San Diego Loyo represents to me. Um, I went there and I had a lot of confidence there. I had a lot of confidence from a coach. Um, so why not? You know what I mean? But at the same time, um, got to make sure, you know, uh, I put myself in the best situation to also be, you know, back on the national team, which is one of my goals and stuff. Um, so, well, you know, it's something that I'm definitely keeping, keeping behind my head. Yeah. It's, it's a weird position for all of us because like selfishly we want to watch you, but you know, we yeah. also would rather watch you be successful. You know what I mean? So like we, we selfishly want to be able to see you 
week in, week out scoring goals, but you know, certainly we want what's best for you in your career because you know, you were, like we said, you were, you were just great to watch just the instant energy that you brought with loyal. It, it really, I'm with you. We talk about it all the time here. We really felt like, you know, great things were, were right ahead of, of loyal, you know, should that season have continued, but man, all the best for you, brother. I hope it works. Appreciate out. it. You know, we'll be rooting. Thank for you. you. No, I appreciate it. And you know, like I said, thank you guys. And, like I said, San Diego's home to me. Um, it's actually one of my favorite places to live. So uh, I'm jealous of you guys and, you know, what San Diego, <laughs> San Diego has to represent. Uh, great weather, great place to live, and, uh, you know, hope to get another call soon. So uh, take care and happy holidays. Rubio Rubin joins the Unnamed Soccer Podcast. Darren, uh, very, very good. Really good stories out of Rubio tonight. What an experience, you know, I mean, where this game takes you in life is just, it's amazing, you know, because as you said, you're playing second division Liga MX Dorados, right? Like just trying to get some playing time. Lo and behold, here comes Diego Maradona through the door, you know, like how does that happen in life? You know, how does that happen that you get a legend like that, that comes into the dressing room that leaves that kind of impression on you? You know, like, like, it's just, it's an incredible thing. And I, I can't, I've not seen the HBO documentary. So I've only seen the one where he's managing, which, you know, to me, I think, and it's probably unfair for me to say this because I haven't seen the other one, but it just gives you a glimpse into how passionate Diego Maradona was, how meaningful he was, not just because of his playing career, but because of his connection. You know, that one of the all-time greats, and no matter how you want to slice it, is it him, is it Pele, is it Cruyff, like, who knows? Like, those kind of conversations are sort of endless. But, you know, that he isn't just revered, but that he connects with players in the second division of Mexico is just, you know, it's an incredible testament to him really, you know, being so beloved by so many players and, and why his loss was felt not just because of his great ability, but because of who he was and how much players really thought of him, you know, even with all of his problems, you know, like we didn't even really get into that part of it because part of the documentary focuses on Diego Maradona is going to Sinaloa, which is, you know, one of the cocaine capitals of the world. What's this all about? And, you know, like there's, it's natural to say that, that, you know, that there might be something to that. And, you know, it doesn't play out that way, obviously, not at least that we saw, but, you know, then there he is, he's dancing with these guys. Like, I mean, you know, I can't put it in the, into proper words that here is this broken down legend who can barely walk dancing with all of these young 21, 22, 23 year old players dancing at the end of every victory that they had at Dorados. It was just, you know, it was incredible to watch. Yeah. It's uh, it's the reason I wanted to ask Rubio how, how happy was Diego when he was around the team around just training, um, celebrating a win. How, like it seemed in what I did see on the Netflix special, um, it seemed like he just, that's just where he wanted to be. Like it didn't matter if it was the 1986 world cup stage or if it was division two in Mexico, like that's, he was going to be that happy and he was going to be acting that way, no matter what the stage was like yeah. that, that was Diego. Like that was, yeah. 
he was. So like, like that wasn't like, it's not like the movie, a league of their own, right. Where Tom Hanks's character is like, what the fuck am I doing here? Like, why am I managing this women's baseball team? You know, and then he learns to love it. Diego Maradona wasn't there because like he needed the money and he was desperate. Like it just genuinely seemed like this is where I want to be. And you know, there's these amazing scenes where he's looking at the grass and he can tell that there's something wrong with the grass and it's going to impact the quality of play. Like, just his vision, you know, like, like Rubio just told us there, you know, the tactics were more for the assistant coach. He's there to like shape these players as men, inspire them, give them confidence, man. I'll tell you uh, it, it, what it makes me want to go back and watch this documentary again. And I will tell you all the tributes for Diego Maradona have just been one after the other, just ridiculously good, whether it was messy, whether it's what happened at Napoli, whether I mean they're renaming a stadium that was named after a saint, they're renaming it after Diego Maradona. Think about the impact that he had on the world's game. Think about you know, how many times now we've seen the hand of God over the last seven, eight days. How many times you know you saw then that amazing goal that he scores thereafter, you know, and heard the stories and read the quotes. So, man, it was uh, it was it was something else uh, to to watch the world react to the loss of Diego. Yeah. Um, when I was doing some reading, I, I, I wasn't aware of this, but I thought it was an interesting or a funny note. Um, when he was with Napoli, he actually had to get special permission from the, from the city's police so he could legally run red lights because there were always fans and paparazzi. <laughs> and apparently they were just like constantly denting, bumping into and damaging all of these really nice cars that Diego had. Um, so he actually had special permission in the city when he was with Napoli, he was allowed to run red lights just to get. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, there was one of the quotes, like I could hardly breathe in this town. Like it's, it's something there's so many people like the cameras, the everything Um, you could tell he just like, he wanted just to be like everyone else. And he wanted to play the game that he loved. That's what he wanted. And if you, if you want to go watch, if you want to, if you're curious, you know, if you're down the rabbit hole on Diego Maradona, he spent a a couple of seasons with Barca and uh, didn't have as big an impact on Barca as he had in Napoli. But if you want to find, I want to say it was the 83, the 1983 Copa del Rey final between Barca and athletic Bilbao. One of the, I mean, like not handbags, but like a full out brawl on the pitch. Diego Maradona, the previous season playing against athletic Bilbao has his ankle broken by the butcher of Bilbao. How about that nickname? Who was so proud of the fact that he broke Diego Maradona's ankle that he had to cleat bronzed and put in a case in his home. The butcher of Bilbao did, whose name I, I'm not even going to attempt. Our, uh, our mate Nate, who's Basque-blooded, could probably pronounce it. But then the following time when they played Athletic Bilbao again, it just was an all-out. Google it. It's just Athletic Bilbao versus Barca fight from 1983. 283 somewhere. It must've been 83 uh, in the Copa del Rey final. It's, it's like the most insane scene you've ever seen. Like <laughs> people are just getting, it's, it's shockingly bad, but players are just getting uh, concussed and knocked out and projectiles being thrown down. But uh, you know, that's, that's part of the legacy there. And the hand of God stuff is just like, where would we have been with VAR? Think about that all these years later, the 1986 world cup, you know, we talk about VAR. Now I don't know that this is the argument for or against VAR, but it's part of the legend of Diego Maradona, right? That, you know, he goes up at five, five and he somehow just punches the ball over the English keeper's head. 
But that never happens. And we never talk about the hand of God all these years later, especially after Diego Maradona's passing. If we had some sort of video replay system there, we would have overturned that. And maybe that's fine if you're an English fan and maybe you just want the purity of the sport. But there's something to the legend of that moment. And what we always talk about with regards to VAR that, that I feel like is relevant in this conversation. The, uh, the hand of God is a much better story and moment than the hand of VAR. That's the name of this podcast. The hand of VAR. I mean, I think it is something that it's easy for myself to forget, easy for you to forget, because we weren't really watching this in the 80s. Um, it was a completely different game that Diego had to deal with. Like, it's fun for me to watch Eden Hazard with Chelsea for all those years, slicing and dicing and creating. Um, it's fun to watch guys like Neymar and Mbappe and Lionel Messi, but Diego had to deal with something completely different. Like he actually had to deal with people who wanted to break his leg every yeah. single match. And like, that's something that is very, it's very common. You're hearing the commentary um, of former players and analysts talking about it. And every single one of them, it's the very first thing they want to remind everyone is like, this was a completely different game that he played than what Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo are playing right now. Yeah. And they did break his legs. I mean, they broke his ankle, like I said, in that match against, uh, against athletic club. So, you know, and then they were proud of it, proud to the point where again, and maybe this is legend, I don't know, but to the point where the dude puts the boot up in his house, you know? So yeah, you're, you're right. It was, you know, they, they would kick this little guy all over the pitch and he still was able to go out there and break their hearts more times than they broke his. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, so once again, our thanks to Rubio Rubin, U S soccer, club Tijuana, Dorados, San Diego. How about him leaving the door open a little bit with loyal? He did not shut that door. Did he? No, he did not. I thought we were going to have to put him on the spot on that, but he, he jumped ahead of it in our conversation. Yeah. And for me, um, supporting a club in USL, like that is something you're going to have to deal with with a lot of players for many years. Like you're going to want to have players that have aspirations uh, to be beyond USL, but that doesn't, that's not a bad thing. Um, so he won't be the last player to have aspirations beyond USL but I'm really glad he didn't close the door. It is clear that he really enjoyed his time with San Diego. I mean, he said San Diego is one of his favorite spots to be. So uh, clearly left an impact. Hey, he's a West coast guy. The pride of Beaverton, Oregon, Rubio, Rubin. Yeah. Glad I got to call that guy's goal scores a couple times over the PA. Yeah. I, I was curious if he was going to recognize the voice. I said, wait a minute. That's the voice I heard every time I scored for San Diego loyal. Yeah. Uh, By the way, I also want to say thank you to Jesse Beltron with SD Loyal for helping set that interview up today. And also we use this as a reminder as we're recording on Tuesday, December 1st, that the SD Loyal team store is officially open as of today on Camino de la Reina and Mission Valley. If you're in San Diego, lots of Tory Green in there just in time for your holiday planning purposes. Yes. Much love, Jesse. Thank you for that setup. We love you forever and ever. Um, he did bring up the U.S. men's national team. Like, he wants to get back. Rubio Rubin wants to get back with U.S. soccer. U.S. soccer actually going to be on the field. They announced a match since the last time you and I spoke, Darren. Uh, they're going to be taking on El Salvador in a little bit more than a week, December 9th. So they're going to be able to squeeze in another match. This is the only one I saw. Was this? Did they announce a pair of matches? Typically, this comes in bunches. I only saw the one. So feel free to add to this if there is more. But I saw El Salvador uh, December 9th. We'll get another match in here in 2020. That's what I got. It's going to be at inner Miami's stadium in Fort Lauderdale. I saw this because the American outlaws said that they were not going to have a section that they would have representation, but 
due to what's going on with COVID, they were not going to have their normal section, which is disappointing, but certainly understandable given the circumstances, mostly an MLS roster. I think Jordan, for me, the thing that pops out first is welcome back. Paul Ariola. speaking yeah. about Rubio, Rubin and Cholos. I mean, I'm pretty sure those guys were teammates in Tijuana. So welcome back, Paul Ariola. After an ACL injury, Paul is back on the roster for Greg Berhalter. So this is not clearly going to be a European based roster. This is going to be an MLS roster. Um, you know, some of the names I think are fairly predictable. Um, the only one who we saw, who we, we saw play in Europe against Wales and against Panama would be Sebastian Leggett. So, uh, other than that though, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, the MLS regulars and, uh, you know, I don't have a, you know, uh, ton of opinion on the roster here myself necessarily. I'd like to see it in action. I still think that while watching the MLS playoffs, I saw Jossie Zardes score with an assist. I can live with him. I don't know. You know, I think that at some point you're going to have to put some MLS players on a world cup roster in a couple of years, I think. And I'm okay with that, but Zardes, Jordan Morris, you know, I need a finisher. I got a bunch of creative playmakers here. I need a finisher. I don't know that those guys are the favorites as of this moment, but uh, I'm okay if that's that's the direction that we're headed here with those two, Josie. So we'll see where it goes. I saw Rubio Rubin finishing quite nicely for San Diego Loyal. Maybe he can be an option. Pop quiz for you, Darren. Are you ready for my U.S. soccer pop quiz? Um, uh, okay. Who is older, Paul Ariola or Rubio Rubin? Paul Ariola. Well done. You win. 25 years old to Rubio's 24. We've been covering them for like 20 years, which is fantastic. <laughs> We've been following these guys since they've been teenagers. <laughs> I've been following them. I've been covering them my entire life. Like that's basically my lifespan right there. So I was really happy with Rubio Rubin and good to see Paul Ariola on the U.S. soccer. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you another one too. Um, Cause we saw Carlos Alvarez play a lot for SD loyal. His younger brother Efren is one of the forwards who was listed for the U S men's national team. Now that's important because I think he had played some youth matches for Mexico. So maybe he like a lot of other dual nationals that we got to see earlier or last month, I should say in November, maybe he's testing the waters to see what that's all about. I would think that that would be an amazing flip. If Greg Berhalter can get that done with Efren Alvarez. Yeah. It would be very interesting. Um, Darren, we have time for like maybe one more subject. We're quickly running out of time here. I can give you something on Chelsea Tottenham, but I, there's not a lot to give you. Um, I guess I can tell you that my son Luca has been normally like really, really good at sleeping the last couple of days. Not as great. <sighs> Throw Chelsea Tottenham in front of him. Out like a light, baby. <laughs> he is back. No more sleeping issues. We're back in the game. Yeah, well, he's human. I mean, this was classic Jose Mourinho. I actually can give you something on this too because I watched that. I will tell you that I, I sighed a lot. It's like, oh, God, really? With this um, Spurs nil, Chelsea nil. At the bridge, classic Jose. He is just the uh, the drama vacuum whatsoever. Although I thought it was explained really well that because Spurs beat City, that just getting a point may have made sense, especially with Spurs heading to Arsenal this weekend, if I'm not mistaken. So you consider stretches of time, right? You consider that you got to play City, 
and you got to play Chelsea and you got to play Arsenal back to back to back. And I'm pretty sure that they have some European competition, if I'm not mistaken. Are they in Europa League? Europa, yes. So that you pick up three points for City, right, from City. Maybe that gives you the luxury of playing for a draw against Chelsea, and then you can open it back up against Arsenal. I thought that was interesting, an interesting observation. As inclined as I am to not want to give Mourinho any credit whatsoever, I thought Lampard was great afterwards. He sort of just shook his head and he was like, you think I didn't know what we were getting ourselves into? (laughs) I knew this was going to be us with a ton of possession, very few chances. We didn't expect them really to be moving forward other than a handful of times on a counter. So we knew exactly what this match was going to be all about. I thought Lampard was quite funny afterwards when I saw him interviewed. Yeah. um, I actually read a piece, which maybe I haven't done enough digging on this and I'm just unaware when I should be aware, but the writing over in England is uh, it's kind of setting up that there's a Lampard Jose rivalry. Like they don't exactly get along. Um, Jose, for those who don't know, like managed Frank Lampard um, for had a couple seasons with them, like won trophies with them, run the prem. Um, it, I guess it didn't really sit all that well with Jose that when Frank left Chelsea, which Jose was had a huge part of that decision, um, he joins NYCFC, but later joined Manchester City and actually was playing for Man City. Um, and that did not sit well with Jose. And I was unaware of this. And I, I mean, it's not anything like it was, it's not like Jose versus Wenger yet, but it seems like maybe there's, if Frank can stick around for quite some time and if Jose can stick around, which are two huge ass, um, I don't know, maybe there's a little something there that I was unaware of. So that's I, well, I think one. Go ahead. Lampard's uh, picking his battles here, huh? I mean, Lampard got into it with Klopp recently, didn't he? Uh, Lampard is a confident man. So, I mean, <laughs> I, don't think, word? I don't think he is in a battle yet with Jose. I think he's smart enough to know not to go to battle with him, especially in the media. You can't uh, win that. You cannot win that. I don't care if you're Frank Lampard and you're dyed in the wool, three lions. You, you just, you can't win a war awards with Mourinho. Yeah. Many have tried. Everybody has failed at that department. Yeah. And Lampard is a very sharp dude. He's not only a really good footballer, but like really high IQ guy um, and is smart enough to know not to play that game. I think overall for Tottenham, yeah, they can totally afford a draw uh, against Chelsea. They had a fantastic November. Uh, They won both of their Europa League matches, three to one and four nil. So they were just fine in Europa. And then they had three wins in the Prem and the draw against Chelsea. So including that win against Manchester City 2-0. And now they get an opportunity to beat up on Arsenal this weekend and cruise against Crystal Palace. And they have Liverpool quickly coming up too. So this is a very difficult stretch for Tottenham. Um, I don't know how many points they would have signed up coming into this stretch, but I think they're off to a pretty good pace as it stands right now for whatever. Yeah, I mean, it feels like they're legitimate contenders. Oh, no doubt. I said it a couple weeks ago, like this is a legit top four team. Um We'll see what happens. Liverpool and Manchester City, they don't look quite as dominant as they have for the past couple of years. I don't, I'm not ready to say Spurs are your favorites to win the league, but clearly a top four team. Um, you didn't see it this weekend, but they're scoring goals and you know they're not going to give up a lot. So that give, if I were a Spurs fan, uh, clearly I am not. But if I were, that would give me a lot of confidence because I feel like that is a really good recipe over the course of an entire season. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that makes a lot of sense and interesting matches again, upcoming this weekend. So now that we have everything happening here where we have midweek 
you have Champions League and you have impactful league matches as well. Like this is this is a really, really fun couple of weeks. MLS playoffs coming up a little later on tonight. Super excited about that. Watching my future striker, Jordan Morris, play for Seattle against Dallas. So be distracted on the radio while watching Barca play in Champions League. I love that. Throw the uh, Golasso channel on tomorrow, would you? I was watching that. Well, I got to compete with a stupid NFL game tomorrow. Dude, it lost to like a Christmas lighting, like Golasso channel. (laughs) (laughs) Really good podcast today. I thought Rubio was fantastic. So uh, for those who are still listening, please send some love to Rubio Rubin on social media to thank him for taking the time with us because we're going to do that. Yeah. And also, let me just give a quick shout out to an interview I did with Warren Smith over on one of the million different radio shows that I did where we talked a little bit. He said some interesting stuff. Um, he said that SD Loyal will never walk off the pitch again in protest. So they've discussed that as a team. You can find out why by funding the podcast. He also said that he expects the USL season to start mid-April as of now. Now, that's just late November, early December. Plenty can still change. There had been a push to, to move back a little bit, but he says, as of now, it sounds like mid-April for season number two for SD Loyal. Wow. You have some very interesting notes in that interview. Yeah. Well, he just said he didn't want it ever to be used as a tactic against them, that somebody potentially could try to get under the skin of SD Loyal if they feel like all they're going to do is just walk off in a moment. You know. So he just said, we've decided as a team, which I would presume includes Landon Donovan, that they uh, Landon Donovan, who this week's his name popped up for the LA Galaxy job, Oof. but he presumably was in on the conversation where they decided that that wouldn't happen again. That they would figure out a different way to handle that situation moving forward. No regrets, though. They were happy and proud of the way they handled that. But if you want to find that, that's over on the iHeart Podcast, over for uh, Kogo for those that live here locally. Very good. Um, I will track that down because that is something I need to listen to as well. Uh, we'll give our thanks to Three Punk Ales. We'll also give our thanks to Sport Clips, where it is good to be a guy. And uh, it was good to get some San Diego Loyal representation on the podcast once again. I miss uh, being at Stone. I miss being at the stadium for these matches now that we're into the offseason. Uh, maybe we'll have the opportunity to talk to a few guys with SD Loyal as we get a little bit closer to whether it's March, April, May, whenever the season starts. Uh, it won't be the last time we chat with a Loyal player. I love it. I also love just feeling so conflicted about Rubio. <laughs> I mean, I really do. I want him to play at the highest possible level and get himself back into the national team's conversation. But selfishly, man, I want to watch that dude. He's the all-time, Jordan, the all-time SD loyal leading scorer. Yeah. I'm, I want to wear his jersey on the first uh, pre-match show of 2021. All-time leading scorer, Rubio Rubin. And you know what I want to do? I want to be able to point to him on the field warming up because he's going to be with SD loyal. That's what I'm hoping for. Clearly showed a lot of respect. A lot of respect for us. He easily could have been like, guys, I just needed to get some some minutes under my belt in 2020. Other people are, and I'm not. He easily could have said something like that, but that was not yeah. the point that he had. Yeah. He, he could have been like, dude, I'm a striker. I need to score goals. Like, I mean, <laughs> you know, I needed to feel good about myself. But, he's, right. you know, he dug it, and I think that's great. And I also think that's a credit to Landon. Totally. Absolutely. All right, D. Smith, I will chat with you soon. All right. Good luck.